If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That is a tall order. Um, it really is. Oftentimes in our Christian relationships, we talk about how great the first church in Acts was and how well everyone got along together. And that's a really beautiful thing to always strive for. But the fact of the matter is that conflict happens. And in times of conflict, our desires are not necessarily always to live at peace with everyone. And so today, that's what we're going to kind of be investigating is you can say live at peace with everyone, <laughs> but how do we do that? So we have that, that uh, that's our hidden gem for this morning that we get to look forward to. If you would please open to pages to page 1183 on your pew Bible, our hidden gem this morning is the book of Philemon. It's even shorter than last week's book. It is the third shortest book of the Bible. It's 25 verses long and 335 words. So we're going to get through it today. And even that tiny little book, though, packs a punch. So here we go, page 1183. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all of his holy people and for your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Yet, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to, to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, 
both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow, believe, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, sends you his greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. God, we ask your blessing over your word. Speak to us now. Open our minds and open our hearts to be receptive to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, Philemon, this book has been used to continue the oppression of slavery. This book is very short and easily lost in the New Testament. In fact, it's only like half a page. I, I feel like most people would flip right past it. What do we do with this? Especially with its ties to, to lengthening oppression and to, to um, supporting the oppression of slavery, I think a lot of people don't want anything to do with it. I think there's the fear of the connection that it has. So do we ignore it? <laughs> I think that the very last thing on Paul's mind was supporting the oppression of slavery. In fact, in Paul's plea in his letter, he says, as your fellow man and as a brother in the Lord, he should be dearer to you than he even is to me. I don't think Paul supported slavery. We could probably talk for hours on this, and we're not going to. But we're going to just put that out there. Paul did not support slavery, and here is what we're going to do next. We are going to look at the incredible, incredible message of relational, relational righteousness that's found in this book. And I think we could do that a number of ways. But every way I look at it, I see a pattern of Christ setting an example, Paul looking at the example of Christ, following that example, and setting his own example, and then both Onesimus and Philemon being the receivers of that and having to make a choice to set their own example because they themselves either are or will become leaders in the church. 
So I think this is really beautiful. And that pattern happens in a number of different themes. The first theme would be redemption. There's a beautiful story of redemption in here, how Christ has redeemed us when we were guilty without, without charging us. He took the cost on himself and redeemed us. And so that is what Paul offers to do for Onesimus. That's a beautiful example, and one that we should keep in the back of our, our minds, because even though that is beautiful and incredible, and that's a key theme to this um, letter, it's not what we're going to be focusing on today. But please keep in mind the redemption that is offered both through Christ, and then uh, as Paul follows Christ's example, through Paul as well. And then there's the theme of equality. I already mentioned that Paul does not support keeping people in slavery. There is a theme of equality here that is timeless. A theme of equality that we are all brothers under Christ. Whether Christians or not, there's still a theme of equality, but all the more those who are in the fellowship of believers have no hierarchy between each other. That's a big theme. And again, we'll be touching on it, but that's not, the, that's not the focus. Our focus today is the conflict that happens between Onesimus and Philemon and what to do about it. <laughs> because I already said we're in relationship with each other for the long haul, sometimes whether we like it or not. And this book deals with more of the not. <laughs> What do we do about this when we are in, an, in a conflict with each other? And not, this is not a little conflict. This is a big, disruptive, painful thing. This is what I want us to focus on. We as Christians are peacemakers, or we ought to be. As far as it depends on us, we ought to be bringers of Christ's peace. Christ's peace not peace as the world defines it. This is our charge, and this is the example that is set for us in Philemon, and it's exciting to be able to dig into that. So this is what we're going to do today. I think that when you read through this book, when you read through any scripture, there are days when you relate to one character or another, and today you might relate to character A, and tomorrow you might relate to character B. And I see this happening with Philemon. I can see myself over different parts of my life relating with either Onesimus or Philemon or with Paul. And so I want you to try and enter into one of these characters. I'm going to give a little description of them in a moment. And I want you to try and enter into their place. And you as a person in conflict or as a person being harmed by conflict or as a person standing outside the conflict wanting to help bring the peace of Christ, where do you, you see yourself? Put yourself in that place so that as we continue talking, you can think, oh, maybe this is a good step in peacemaking. So here are our main characters. And again, keep in mind that there's a social hierarchy here. 
There are social hierarchies in any society. But this society, it was very well defined. It was just blatantly obvious who had the social power and who did not. And at the bottom of this hierarchy is Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave owned by Philemon. He had pretty much no rights until such a time as Philemon decided he could and granted them. Perhaps he was born into slavery or perhaps something happened where he became indebted or who knows, there are any number of reasons he might have found himself as a slave in this time. In this society, slavery was not uncommon. Was he going to be a slave his entire life? If he was born into it, probably. Um, even if he had a debt to pay, in most households, he would probably be a slave for life. Although, there was an option for a slave master to release the slaves after a certain amount of time. So a predetermined set term defined the length of slavery. One problem that could describe the conflict is that perhaps Philemon gave Onesimus a set time and a set term to his slavery and underhandedly decided to change his mind. That could happen and that did happen and all of the power would have rested with Philemon if it had. Onesimus was at Philemon's mercy. What if you were Onesimus and you were looking forward to that time of freedom and it was taken from you? just because it could be. We don't know what the conflict really was. In fact, some scholars even say that maybe Philemon just sent Onesimus over to hang out with Paul and be a helper to Paul because Onesimus was owned by Philemon and Philemon wanted to offer help to Paul as a gift. Most people don't necessarily think that holds true it is a possibility, and that somehow a conflict came up there. Maybe he stayed with Paul longer than Philemon expected. Whatever it was, there was a conflict. Most people agree that that would be the least of the conflicts. What's more likely is that Onesimus was a runaway. He was trying to end his life of slavery altogether, and start new as much as he could on his own, but came into, con came into contact with Paul, and so Paul decided to help him work things out. Because if he was a runaway slave, his chances were pretty slim, especially if he's interacting with Paul, who's in prison at this time. Whether Paul was, we're guessing Paul was in a home prison, even so, he would have been surrounded by guards. And Philemon, if he's a runaway slave, probably isn't going to want to make contact with guards. He's marked. People know he's a slave. If he gets caught, it could spell 
the end of his life. At the very least, it would be severe punishment. So it's possible that Philemon ran away from his life of slavery and then realized, I'm in big trouble either way. Big trouble, so big that I may die or I may die. And so he talked to Paul and he appealed to Paul so that Paul could reason with Philemon because Onesimus knew that Philemon respected Paul. The other thing is, often slaves were used to deal in business. So maybe uh, Onesimus didn't run away at all. Perhaps there was an issue and he was involved in a business deal that ended up going badly. Instead of facing his master, he ran to Paul to intercede. Either way, no matter how you look at it, Onesimus does not have the power socially to stand up for himself. And either way, no matter how you look at it, Onesimus is probably going to be punished most severely. And either way, no matter how you look at it, Onesimus is in fear of his life. Has there ever been a time when something was too big for you to handle on your own? That's where Onesimus was. Do you see yourself in Onesimus's shoes? Philemon is next on our social hierarchy. Was he rich and powerful and important? We don't really know. Uh, maybe, although maybe not, we get the impression that he's just kind of powerful. Um, he did have a certain influence, that much is for sure. He owned at least a few slaves, but again, that was commonplace at the time. He was head of his household. He ran a church from his home. So maybe he wasn't the most rich and powerful person in his society, but at the very least, he was a respected individual. He was described in very positive terms by Paul. Paul proclaimed his love for Philemon, and he also proclaimed Philemon to be a man who loved and to be a man who loved with the love of Christ. So Paul described Philemon in very positive terms. Yes, Philemon kept slaves, but Philemon wasn't a bad person. Remember, this is a different society that we're looking at. And Paul speaks to Philemon on the basis of love. That means that Paul expects Philemon to at least have enough conscience, conscience that he will make the right decision based on love and not necessarily based on selfish ambition. Now, here's something else to know about Philemon. Philemon lost a slave. As Christians today, we might say, good, Good, don't keep slaves. <laughs> As a man who had to interact and live in a society that he lived in, that's bad. He lost a slave, 
It's probably not the end of the world to him, but you know what it's going to say? If he's lenient now toward that slave in any way, he could lose other slaves. Also, and this is probably more important to note, his business interactions are going to be a mockery. If he can't control his slaves, how can he control his household? And if he can't control his household, then how can he be a respected businessman? He's going to be a laughingstock in the community if he can't show that he has some control over what's going on. That could be very bad for him. That could lose him business, that could lose him money, that will certainly lose him respect. We tend to look at this and say, Philemon, quit whining, you shouldn't keep slaves. (laughs) But in the society that he lived in, it's more complicated than that. If he loses a slave, he loses respect, power, money. He loses a lot. At the same time, we know that Philemon is a Christian leader, and Philemon has a house church. Philemon knows about God's love. Philemon knows that God has a different standard for our relationships. Philemon could have preached doctrine to those who met at his church, uh, And on the other hand, did as he pleased in his his actual life. But Philemon knows that Christianity is more than doctrine. So he has this this, um, problem. (laughs) On the one hand, he could be facing ruin. And on the other hand, people look up to him. People see how he handles life. People see how he handles relationships. People know what he's doing. If he were to just dismiss Onesimus, if he were to let slide what happened, people would see that on either side of the spectrum. Those he preaches to or those he does business with. And they will handle it differently. His duty is to strive to do the right thing in all relationships. And society would have told him, but that doesn't count slaves. But the people he preached to would have taken his example. Maybe they wouldn't have even told him he's wrong, but they would have followed his example. So his conflict is not just with Onesimus, his conflict is in his own heart. He's between a rock and a hard place. Is that you? Are you between a rock and a hard place, living between what you know is probably right versus what you know might lead to disaster? Are you a Philemon? Now further, Paul was a spiritual father to him, and that brings us to Paul, who is at the top of our little hierarchy. Paul is an apostle and a missionary and a father in faith. 
And he is somebody whom Philemon looks up to and admires as a mentor. Paul has a relationship with Onesimus. Onesimus has become a follower of Christ and now also looks to Paul as a spiritual mentor. And Onesimus has helped Paul during his imprisonment. And so Paul now considers Onesimus to be like a son to him, even his very own heart. It would have been absolutely normal for someone in Paul's position to command Philemon to listen to him. And Philemon would have taken his order. Maybe he would have been grateful for it. Maybe he could have told his business partners, well, my spiritual father commanded this, so sorry. I mean, maybe that would have gotten him out of his predicament, right? Paul didn't do that. But Paul had the power to because he is on the top of this little hierarchy here. Paul, as a spiritual father, as a spiritual head, as an apostle, could have commanded him, and Philemon would have would have followed that order. Paul knows it is his duty to help them seek Christ-like peace in their relationship. First, because Paul loves Philemon and because Paul loves Onesimus, but also because Paul loves the Lord and the spreading of the gospel. And so because of all these things, he knows it is his duty as a follower of Christ to bring peace to this situation. Our our religion is not about doctrine. Our religion is about relationship, relationship with Christ and with each other. Paul now has the difficult situation of bringing these two conflicting parties together in a way that is God-honoring, that is healing, and that represents holistic peace for the furthering of the gospel. That's what it means to be a peacemaker for Christ. It's a big order. Are you a Paul? Have you been called to make peace somewhere? Do you find yourself in the middle? How are you going to do that? So whether you are Onesimus, or whether you are Philemon, or whether you are Paul, our job is Christ-like peace. And there's a right way and a wrong way to go about making peace. Here's the wrong way. Whatever happened between Onesimus and Philemon most certainly was going to spell disaster for Onesimus. Paul, in his place of authority, could order Philemon to take Onesimus in back as a slave and not give Onesimus any consequences. Problem solved. Onesimus doesn't have to fear for his life. And... Philemon doesn't have to face retribution from his business associates. 
He saves face. But that's the wrong way to do it. It's not holistic. Christ never said, I want you to be a slave to this world. This is not going to bring healing. This is not going to bring wellness. This is not going to bring righteousness. So the, the way to do this is not to order Philemon to do this. Now, first of all, Paul sees Onesimus as a son, and he sees potential in Onesimus. Not just any potential, but godly potential. Paul sees his gifts. Paul knows that God has a plan for Onesimus beyond submitting to another person as a slave. So Paul, in his own heart, can't settle for sending Onesimus back to slavery. And society may have said and may have proclaimed that peace would be achieved if Onesimus is simply not punished and simply handed back as a slave. But Paul works for the gospel first and foremost and always. And so he sees that God wants to use Onesimus in his plan. And further, even if you're in a place where you don't know what God wants for the person in conflict, because honestly, that's most of the time. We rarely know what God plans for us ahead of time. If you're in a place where you don't know what God wants for the person in conflict, you still know how God defines that person. And God always defines that person as his, as someone who is deeply loved, perfectly made, crafted, and given a purpose. So Paul loves Onesimus as a son and does see God's plans for him. But further, Paul knows Onesimus to be a child of God's, and a child of God's has been redeemed by Christ and has been freed from the chains of this world and so should not have to submit to the chains of this world. Where Paul sees it, any option where Onesimus returns as a slave is the wrong option. And yet, Paul still doesn't command Philemon to set him free. Whatever we're doing, when we're looking to, to attain Christ-like peace, the first thing we ask ourselves is what is the best outcome for the sake of the kingdom of God? Now, to reach this level of peace, we also have to remember our equality. That's going to come up twice. So there's, there's a difference in how we remember this. The first is our equality as people. We need to remember that we are equal as people and unified in Christ. And that is the first appeal that Paul makes to Philemon. Paul did not command him. Instead, he said, Hey, Philemon, you know how technically I'm a little higher than you and technically I'm an apostle? No, Paul, Paul like very, very, very subtly hints at that, but instead calls himself his brother. He call, Paul calls himself Philemon's brother, 
Call Paul's himself Philemon's partner. Paul does not say, Philemon, I have a higher position for you, so do what I want. No, Paul says, Philemon, I get it. We're on the same page. We are all brothers, and we are all equal in Christ. And this set the stage for something else. Because just as Paul called himself Philemon's brother, he also called uh, Onesimus Philemon's brother. Suddenly, apostle and businessman and slave were all on the same plane. Paul is appealing to the fact that Christ died for all of us, and our purpose for all three of those people is the same. Our purpose is to spread the gospel. That is equality. Now, also, there is equality in our outcome. Our outcome really has to be a win-win. If you are making Christ-like peace, equality goes beyond you and I, our brothers in Christ, to you and I will both benefit ultimately from the solution we've come up with. Does Philemon feel like he's going to benefit if he loses his business contacts? Probably not. But ultimately, his benefit will be in Christ. And that benefit far outweighs the the disappointment and the pain. There will be struggles on both sides. Onesimus has to trust and go back to Philemon before Philemon's even read this letter Onesimus has to submit to what fate might, might have for him. Does Onesimus want to do that? I can guarantee he didn't. I wouldn't want to. But there is, in this peacemaking process, a win-win situation, and that is whatever solution will lead to both men being completely free in Christ and becoming partners. When you are working toward peace, there exists a win-win solution. Sometimes that win-win solution has costs. And those costs aren't going to feel good. But the costs should never, ever interrupt the win-win solution. So it would not be a win for Onesimus to go back into slavery. That would be Philemon's win, and that's unequal. And it would not be a win if Philemon gave up everything and Onesimus remained with Paul but never did anything No, Paul points out, hey, Onesimus is useful to you. It's actually a play on words, by the way. Uh, The name Onesimus means useful. And right now, Paul is pointing out, you're not winning right now. You think that you're going to lose something, but you're not going to. 
Onesimus, whose name means useful, is right now useless to you as a slave. If you keep him in this oppression, he's useless to you. You are not facing a win-win situation. You are losing. If you allow Onesimus to work for the gospel, which is the same purpose that you work for and the same purpose that I work for, that is a win-win situation. He is then useful to you again. There should be a win for everyone involved. No one should come out and feel like, I got the worst end of that deal. There's also one more thing, and that is that everyone gives something. And that's part of this whole win-win idea. So everyone gives something. It's not you give everything and you give nothing. Everyone has to give something up. We know what Onesimus is giving up. Onesimus is giving up the security by returning, by returning to Philemon and going on faith that Philemon will do as, as Paul has prompted. We know what he's giving up. We know what Philemon's giving up. He's giving up his slave. He's giving up his respect in the community. What is Paul giving up as the peacemaker? And for those of you who identified with Paul, did you expect that? Because Onesimus is in conflict and Philemon's in conflict and Paul is back here. Did you expect Paul to have to give something up? Peacemaking requires relationship for everyone involved. That means peacemaking requires a win-win-win and not a win-win. And that also means that peacemaking requires something to be given from everyone. And that something should also be equal. Here's what Paul gives. Paul gives of himself. He says, if there's a debt that Onesimus has caused, I'll pay it. In fact, I'm signing my name here. This is my promise to you. You have my signature and you can hold me accountable. I will pay whatever Onesimus owes. If there is something that you can't forgive from Onesimus, you put that on me and you let me bear the blame for that and I will make it right. All three of them were giving of something, and that something that they were giving of was an equalness, something that they could agree upon. Peacefulness is an act of the whole community. Peacefulness does not have to be the job of those people over there who are in conflict. Peacefulness is our business. If someone in our community is in conflict, we're involved, and our job is to bring the peace of Christ to that situation as far as it depends on us. And this is the final, this is the final word here. Paul never forced Onesimus and Paul never forced Philemon to make up. And this is why this scripture has been so used to support slavery for so long. Because Paul didn't say, no, don't do that. I command you 
to set Onesimus free. He didn't say that. He appealed to him on the basis of love. And I think a lot of people have a very hard time with that. But let me ask you, back in the Garden of Eden, God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there and said, don't touch it. That was a command, but God gave free will. They could touch it. They could eat from it. It was right there. God gave us free will. We cannot command somebody to have a change of heart. We can command somebody to do a task. In this case, the task would have been allow Onesimus to go free. But we cannot command him to have a change of heart. In this case, we are all equal. Onesimus had to repent, or sorry, Philemon had to repent, and Philemon had to own that, and Philemon had to choose the path of Christ. As peacemakers, as leaders, as partners in community, when we see someone in conflict, we can say, have you explored this path? Or I really think this path is the right path. But we cannot say, you will repent. We do not have control over people's hearts. When we point to the right path, people can own that. And that impacts future decisions. When Philemon's heart was pointed in the right direction, he could own that and he could say, you know what? I should be living equally with, with, all of my, with all of my fellow humans and especially with the fellowship of believers, whether slave or apostle, I should be li living in equality. That's a change of heart. And that change of heart then impacts those whom Philemon was serving, so his, his house church. They looked at his example, and when they see his change of heart, he can tell them about it and point them in the right direction. Ultimate peace requires repentance. And so here's what we learn from the book of Philemon. There is equality in all things. There is equality among humans. Peacefulness is an equality in outcomes. Peacefulness requires equality in what we what we put into it, what we give. And peacefulness is not forced, but is an act of repentance, an act of love, an act of even gratitude for what Christ has done for us. When we are in gratitude for Christ, we live in a peaceful repentance with each other. And that is what Christ-like peace looks like. And that is what I pray for our community today. We are going to end in prayer, and then we will enter into a time of offering. Here's what that's going to look like. Uh, this has been going on for several weeks now, but our time of offering will be marked by an offertory. And if you did not have a chance to put your offering into the box in the back, you may use this as a time to do so. 
Um, otherwise, we would also like you to use this time to pray over what peacefulness looks like in your life right now and what it could look like. All right, please join me in prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you that you have redeemed us. You have broken the chains of hierarchy. You have made us equal as brothers and sisters, unified for your purposes and under your love. God, we ask that you would help us to live out Christ-like peace to its fullest each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.